0: Well, I'm grateful uh, that you've joined us today. We are entering the third week of a four-week series called Leverage. Uh, The whole intent of this series, the whole purpose of this series is to help us see how God can use our lives uh, to make a profound impact uh, in this world for His purposes. Kind of the motto is that we want to leverage our lives, all that we are and all that we have, Uh, for all that he is and so over the last few weeks we've been exploring romans chapter 12 we'll finish up our look at romans 12 1 through 8 today uh, where we we kind of examine this charge by paul to give god everything romans chapter 12 verse 1 says that we're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable holy and pleasing to him that that living sacrifice is that we give god everything and by everything we saw in week one, that, that it's, our, it's, our, it's our spiritual gifts, it's our talents, it's our abilities, it's our time, uh, it's our resources, our relationships, um, our intellect, our thoughts. Like we give God everything. We say, God, this is yours. I'm giving it to you, trusting that you can do far more with all that I have and all that I am than I could ever do on my own. Uh, We have a chance for him to do more with us than we could do on our own. And we saw last week that something that often stands in the way of us giving God everything is, is how we think, our worldview, how we see the world. And so Paul challenges us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, to have our minds and our thinkings transformed. He says, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, not to conform to the pattern of this world, not to conform to this age. And we kind of charted some of the key beliefs or tenets of uh, our secular worldview. And and so this week, I want to kind of begin to break down practical ways that if we're going to give God everything and we have our minds renewed, what's some of that renewal that he wants to have take place? What are some things he wants to address in our lives? And we're just going to look at two over the next couple of weeks, this week and next week. And the first shows up here in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Paul addresses what we do with what he calls our spiritual gifts. I would submit to you, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, um, I was thinking about this backstage, a quote that came to mind, I don't remember who said it is that our souls will never find rest until they find rest in him. You will continue to search for meaning and purpose and value in a number of other false pursuits that can't deliver on what you hope they will until you find your meaning and your purpose in him. The mission of God is what you were created for. And when we find ourselves in that mission, we begin to see that we're a part of this even greater story. That that sin did break down the relationship between us and our creator. Sin created this um, just vast divide between us and a holy God. But God made a way for us to be brought back into relationship with him when he sent his son Jesus. God came in the very form of a human being, was born, lived, lived, Uh, was tempted in every way that you and I are, and yet he prevailed. He did even more than that. He went and he died on a cross and died the death that we deserve. So if we believe in him uh, at the name of Jesus, by believing in Jesus, uh, then we can be saved and we can be rescued to this life that we're articulating and describing in this leverage series. And so if you will find your rest in him, you will find that, that, that he invites you into this beautiful adventure of Um, leveraging your moments and your days and even your talents and your abilities for him. And so today I wanna focus on this idea of leveraging our talents and our abilities, our time. I'm gonna kind of say this phrase, our time and our talents. And I want you to know I put those two together because we will never exercise and leverage our talents, our spiritual gifts, and even broader than spiritual gifts, our unique skills and abilities, how God has wired us and made us without the investment of our time. Like if I'm going to use my gifting, it requires a sacrifice of my time. And so will we leverage our time and our talents for this incredible mission of God? And that's, that's the challenge in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. And so if you have your Bibles, find Romans 12. Um, I'm going to read verses 3 uh, through 8, and we'll go back and kind of unpack them uh, a little bit at a time. Paul writes, uh, following that charge to offer our bodies and to not be conformed, to be transformed, he says this, "'For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, "'do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, "'but rather think of yourself with sober judgment "'in accordance with the faith "'that God has distributed to each of you. "'For just as each of us has one body with many members,' If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So Paul has just said, give God everything. It's gonna require us to be transformed in our thinking, how we see the world, not to be conformed to the patterns of this world. And part of that is that we will then leverage these gifts, this time and these talents for his kingdom and for his purposes. Before we dive into kind of what it will take to do that, I wanna give you kind of two, what I would call critical guiding thoughts as we think about our spiritual gifts. They're outlined or given to us in verse three. First part of verse three, this opening statement says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. Paul says, for by the grace given me. What, What is Paul indicating? Paul is thinking back and remembering the grace that's been extended to him Uh, from Jesus himself. If you turn back to Acts chapter nine in your Bibles, we don't have time to do it this morning, you'll find this dramatic conversion story of Paul. We call him the Apostle Paul. Apostle means one who is sent. Paul has been, at that time his name was Saul, persecuting the early church. Uh, He was going to a city with orders to arrest people who were followers of Jesus. And on the road to Damascus, Jesus appears to him and challenges him. And he appoints him as an apostle, as a sent one to go into other people about Jesus. That's what's in Paul's mind as he's saying, this is the grace that I've been called by, by the grace given me. God has given me authority to come and to tell you about Jesus. So guiding thought number one is that when Paul speaks here about time and talents, about spiritual gifts, he's speaking as one with authority, not his own authority, but authority that comes from God. And so what comes here comes from the authority of God. Then he says, I say to every one of you, here's the second guiding thought. This isn't just for a few But this is for everyone, every Roman believer in these house churches. We believe that God's word continues to speak to authority to us, that it's living and active. And so when we put these two together, we must understand when we read about spiritual gifts in scripture, including Romans chapter 12, that we're hearing the authoritative voice of God and that these words are to every one of us who believes in our followers of Jesus. And that should cause our ears to open up and our minds to try to comprehend what God is speaking to us. Before we move on to the rest of verse three and then on through verses four through eight, um, just a question: How many of you have ever uh, participated in one of those 4D experiences? Anybody? 4D, maybe if you're at Legoland, um, you know, they've got a theater and you're in there and um, you get more than just the sight on the screen and the sounds in your ears. That's a 4D experience. They add to that. We have 3D, you can get the glasses on, it feels like things are coming into the room. The 4D is more immersive than that. And Probably the most popular 4D attraction that I know of is the Soarin' Ride at Disneyland or Disney World's Magic Kingdom. In the soaring ride, you you sit uh, in what is supposed to simulate a hang glider. And as the attraction begins, it lifts you just a handful of feet in the air, but it feels like you're you're way higher than that. And you have this scream that kind of wraps around. And so as you see the sights and as you hear the sounds, the extra dimensions come as that ride moves and tilts you. And so it feels like, like you are the one flying through the air. And then as you pass over pine trees, the scent of pine is, is, is pushed into the room. As you fly over orange groves, the scent of citrus is pushed into the room, and so what happens is this immersive, four-dimensional, 4D experience. When, when, when we look into Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, Paul kind of takes us into this immersive experience of what uh, spiritual gifts are, how we use them, um, the necessity, the importance. It just immerses in the significance of leveraging these, this time and these talents that God has given us. And so I want to look at those four dimensions, four requirements, however you want to, to see it in verses three through eight. The first is this, is that if we're going to exercise our spiritual gifts, if we're going to leverage our time and talents, we have to have the right attitude. When we move on from that opening statement in chapter 12, verse three, it says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. If we're going to leverage our lives, if we're going to leverage our time and our talents, uh, it begins with the right attitude. We can't think of ourselves more highly uh, than we should. Paul is championing uh, humility here. He says we have to think of ourselves with sober judgment. I, I love the picture that comes with that. When we talk about being sober or we talk about sobriety, uh, we talk about someone who's unimpaired, right? If, 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 if we're getting high on drugs, if, if we're drinking too much alcohol, then that impairs our senses. We can't see, we can't think, we can't function clearly. Uh, we are impaired, And so Paul says, if we're going to leverage our time and talents, then then we have to have sober judgment. We can't be impaired. Like, we have to think clearly, think clearly specifically about ourselves and about our gifting. That's humility. That's what humility ultimately is. It's this right understanding of ourselves. We see who God truly is, and that helps us see who we truly are. And it keeps us from growing inflated over maybe if we think our gifts are more important than other people's gifts, or keeps us from feeling less significant than we really are in God's eyes. We think on ourselves with sober judgment. We have to have the right attitude. How do we foster the right attitude when it comes to leveraging our time and talents for him? Um, this is why I champion to you, and I champion in my own life, uh, the practice of spiritual disciplines. When we read his words, they show us who God truly is and who we are in relation to God. We need that perspective. When I listen to God's truth, whether it's through an audio Bible or through someone teaching or preaching, it helps me see who God is. And when I see as God sees, I'm more apt to do as God says. It affects my attitude. When we pray, we submit ourselves to the Father and we say, I need you. And again, that reminds us of who he is and who we are, which fosters humility. When I fast and I go without something, if I go without food, then I'm dependent upon him reminding me that he is the provider, he is the sustainer, that I am not my own provider and sustainer. And so it keeps that perspective of who he is and who I am intact. When I practice the discipline of of generosity and faithful biblical stewardship, when I look at the wealth that God has given me and I see it not as my own but his and to be distributed and to support his work in this world, guess what? As I give away the resources that he has given to me, uh, it teaches me dependence upon him. It's not my might. It's not my power. It's not my intellect. It's not my special abilities that help me gain this wealth. No, it's him. It's who he is. And so it, it helps me have that right attitude. It teaches me humility. Sabbath as a spiritual discipline. What happens when I cease striving and I don't fill my life with activity on a given day or for a given season and I have to rest in him? Guess what it reminds me? He's the one in control. He's the one that keeps it all together. And so those spiritual disciplines help me foster the right attitude. And so if you want to leverage your time and your talents, it's gonna be given with the right attitude. And that's an attitude of Humility position yourself in a posture of dependence upon him. Read his word, pray, worship through song, be reminded of his greatness. One of the things I love about when we sing as a church, it reminds us of who he is. We we sang this song, I thank God for all that he's done, right? We sang we are hungry, Uh, we need him. Uh, come thou found. Like, like we need God and what he does in this world. Like that, that's, it, it reminds us of who he is and who we are. And so we need the right attitude if we're going to leverage our time and our talents. Paul moves on in verses four and five to show us something else that we need. Uh, we need to recognize the interdependence within the body of Christ. Verse four, for just as each of us has one body with many members, And these members do not have, do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Paul talks about life within Christ's body, the church, not just Lebanon Christian Church, but the redeemed community of followers of Jesus all throughout the world. And he says, we need each other. We're interdependent. We can't do this on our own, which is a challenge for us if we're honest in our American context, where we are coached from a very young age that independence is the ultimate goal. But here we see in the body, interdependence is what sustains and what helps us honor him and fulfill his mission He uses this example of the body. This is the only place that he does it. Paul does it in other letters. He he talks about how we are members of this body, how we can't say to one part of the body, we don't need you. Um, It's a beautiful picture. There there are a number of systems in our body. The function of our body consists of a nervous system, a cardiovascular circulatory system. We have a respiratory system, a digestive system, uh, our nervous system. And these are interdependent systems. Some may be tempted to say, listen, the cardiovascular system is the most important system in the body. If your heart is not pumping, then then you cannot live. Well, that sounds good until you think about how that heart also needs oxygen that's supplied by the respiratory system. What's stimulating the heart and the lungs to work? Well, the nervous system. But wait a second, the nervous system can't be more important because the nervous system can't function unless there's oxygen and blood flow to the brain And so you begin to see that within the body of Christ, I mean, within the human body, there's this interdependence. And Paul says that's the same in the body of Christ, in the church. We need each other. What you and I need to hear in that is that your gifting is needed. Your time and your talents are needed as God fulfills and accomplishes his mission in this world. We need each other. What's really easy in our society where we we like to place people on platforms, we begin to think that those people that are seen are more important than those people that are unseen. And I've said it to you a number of times, and I'll say it to you again. God happens to have gifted me with the ability to teach his word. But it does not in any way make me more important than anyone else in this room. I just get the privilege of teaching his word in this way. But there are a number of people in this room that you'll never see on a platform that continue to use their gifts and their abilities to help the mission of God come to fulfillment. They do it in unseen ways, some of them prefer unseen ways. Even what happens here on a Sunday morning happens because there are a number of people serving in ways that we never see. The same goes for any of our other environments. There's an interdependence, we need each other. Does God need me to use my gift of teaching faithfully? Yes. Does God need you to use your gift, whatever it is faithfully? The answer is yes. He needs both of us to leverage our time and our talents for him. There's this beautiful interdependence within the body. If you think that God doesn't need you to use your gift, you are mistaken. God wants to use you in his mission, in his story, to accomplish his purposes in this world. The next dimension, the next requirement, we have attitude, we have interdependence, We just need to celebrate the diversity in the body. Look at verses six through eight. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Uh, Paul mentions multiple gifts here, and if you were to move into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and even into Ephesians chapter 4, you would find other gifts that are mentioned. Kind of the picture that we get as we read the New Testament is that God's Spirit gifts us in so many diverse ways. And it's beautiful. If you were with us in our Missio Day series here in September, um, the very last week of that series, we talked about the masterpiece of God's mission. I showed you some pictures. One of them was of a mosaic, and... I just love the the spiritual teaching that can come from the picture of a mosaic. All these unique pieces, the diversity of them and even the complexity of them put together into a beautiful whole. We need to appreciate the diversity within the body. Some people can sing, so let them sing. Some people can teach, so let them teach. Some people are gifted with, 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 with dropping down low and serving in ways that we never thought imaginable some people work well with their hands so let them use those hands to fix and come alongside and to help some people are great encouragers so let's let them encourage some are incredible prayer warriors and they will be on their knees praying for people night and day well, let them pray There's beautiful diversity in the body and so as we begin to think about leveraging our time and talents, we see if we have the right attitude of humility, if you understand our dependence upon one another, if we appreciate the diversity, there's all this space uh, to make a beautiful impact in our world. And the final dimensional requirement I want to hit is um, that of intentionality. I can't read verses six through eight without seeing this persistent, clear call to put your gifts to use. He says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. He doesn't say if your gift is prophesying, then think about it, decide whether or not you want to use it. No, no, then, then do it. If your gift is serving, then, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then, then give that encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it. If it's to show mercy, do it. Like there's this call to action. We have to be intentional when it comes to our spiritual gifts to actually leverage them and use them. If we are honest, this kind of looks back to last week a little bit, the pattern of this world, the pattern of this age, the enemy is the master deceiver, the master distractor, and so our lives consist of a number of distractions that come at us every day in temptations, and they can pull us away in, into doing things that may, even on the surface, seem really good, but they keep us from doing the very best things. If we're going to leverage our time and talents, we have to be intentional. Intentional discovering what those what those talents, where those spiritual gifts are. We're trying to make strides as a church to help you in that way. We just offered in October a spiritual gifts catalyst study. It's offered again beginning in January, the first Sunday of January of next year. But even in between, we have a spiritual gifts assessment tool that we started using as a church. We'll actually put the link for you in the digital bulletin this week and hopefully it'll be on our website as well where you can just click, it'll take you to a custom page for Lebanon Christian Church. You can answer several questions to help you identify what your spiritual gifting is. And then what it's gonna do is gonna give you a report and it's gonna send us a report. And then we can better know how to help you use those spiritual gifts. But you're gonna have to be intentional, describing God, what it is, how, how have you wired me? One of the ways that we can be intentional when we don't know our spiritual gifts is just to try things out. A lot of people don't know that they're great working with kids until they actually give it a try. And they come to see that they, they love it. Some people think they're great working with kids, and they give it a try. And they're like, uh, nope, this is not for me, right? Okay, no harm, no foul. You move on and you try something different. Some people think that they'll, 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 they'll be great with you know, coaching and encouraging and, and, and helping kids like on a sports team. They'll leverage that responsibility for the kingdom of God. And they get into it and they're like, nope, this is too frustrating. Like this brings out things in me that don't reveal Jesus at all. And so that's not for them. So you have to be intentional about discovering and then trying uh, different ways to serve Um, The king to leverage those time and talents. So, if we back all the way up to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says to offer your bodies, give God everything. Specifically, thinking today about our time and our talents, how will we do that? Well, we can't be conformed to the pattern of this world, to thinking that our time is our own, that our abilities are our own, but rather they belong to Him. And so, we ask Him to help us use those and leverage those for Him that requires the right attitude of humility, recognizing interdependence, our need of one another in the body, appreciating and celebrating the diversity of gifting that God gives in a place like this. I, I like how 1 how Corinthians chapter 12 says it. It says, Paul writes them, he says, to each one has been given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. I know manifestation is a big word, but basically God has given each of us the spirit inside of us that's prepared to help us contribute to his mission. That's beautiful. And it's representing the diversity within the body. But you and I are going to be intentional about how we use and leverage those gifts. I hope this can feel, or you can sense the urgency in what I'm sharing because we live in a time where we see people pulling back from serving and offering their gifts, not just within the church, but within uh, our whole country. 2019, uh, a survey said that um, so many people volunteered. I forget what that exact percentage was. What I do know is that in 2022, when that same survey came out, there was a 7% reduction in the number of Americans that were volunteering. And you would think that the church would be a little bit better than that But another survey showed that in 2019, about 50% of people that went to church served in their church or their community. The same survey last year showed that there's been a 16% drop in the number of people serving within their churches and their community that call themselves Christians. Only 34% of those who go to church serve in their church or in their community. I don't know about you, but a 16% drop represents a huge problem. And the heart of that problem is that we don't understand that God has called us to leverage our time and our talents for his kingdom and for his purposes. Why? Why is there such a drop in the number of people that are saying, God, my time is yours, my talents are yours, how can I use those, not just to to help someone, but how can I use those to, to promote your kingdom in this world? I think there are two contributing factors. If you're a fan of sports, they'll talk about dual threat athletes and they possess like great abilities in, in two different ways. I think about football, if you have a dual threat quarterback, they can not only beat you by how precise they are and how strong their arm is and by hitting receivers in the right places, but they can run the ball as well. Um, there's a dual threat that's wreaking havoc even within the church specifically. And that dual threat is this, one we know and we hear about all the time, that's consumerism. We live, and I'm not even gonna use a word that may be controversial, we are groomed for consumerism. From our advertisements, from the lessons we teach our children, we are taught from a very young age that life is about what we get out of it. And so in our American culture, we approach things for what we can get from them. What can this college do for you? What school, what's this school do for you or for your children? What's this TV do for me? we even have this approach in the church. What do I like about this church? Do I like the preacher? Do I like the sermons? Do I like the music? And it's all about what we like. And so this consumerism is ingrained in us. Well, if we're ingrained with the idea of what do I want and what can I get, that makes it hard to think about who God's made me to be and what can I give. So we have consumerism on the one hand. On the other hand, we have crisis. People that study, um, sociology, look at people in crisis and they say one of the common trends is that we turn inward. And some of that is natural. We have to protect ourselves. If you get hurt, what are you going to do? You're going to grab the place that you're hurt, or you're going to try to, you know, cool the burn, or you're going to try to bandage the wound. When we are in crisis, we turn inward. Well, think about what's happened over the last two and a half, three years. Due to what we thought we understood about a virus people inevitably stop doing the things that bring the most value to their lives. Experiences are canceled. No longer are people gathering with families. No longer are they taking vacations. No longer are they recreating. No longer are they participating in the sports that they love. And so what happens when we understand more about that virus and things begin to change and society adapts and we begin to engage in those things again, people feel like they've missed out on lost time. And so as we turn inward to protect and to manage, we stay inward because we have to give our families what we missed out on. We have to give ourselves on what we missed out on. And and what, what felt really good for five or six months turns into two, two and a half years of me just taking care of me. Because it turns out that without Jesus, we can be pretty selfish people. And we like to take care of ourselves, don't we? Well, if you combine consumerism and crisis, it creates this, Incredible storm, even within the church, where people think that it's about them and they manage their lives and what helps them get further ahead. To leverage our time and talents, we have to look outside of ourselves and say, God, your mission is more important. Here's what I know I know that every person in this room who's a follower of Jesus is gifted. I know that every person in this room and everybody watching online, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, It's just waiting to be used by God. If you would turn to him and follow him, he'll activate some incredible gifting in you. I know that there are enough followers of Jesus right now in our country, in our community, to fill every volunteer role that our church or any church in our community would ever need, to fill every volunteer role that any organization in our community would ever need. If we would be people who would say, Jesus, you are the most important, you have gifted me, let me leverage my time and my talents, we would not have crises in any of our humanitarian organizations and any of our churches for volunteers but it's gonna take the church of Jesus Christ waking up and saying, my life is not my own. I was bought at a price. And so I wanna leverage this time and these talents that God has given me for his purposes and not just for my own kingdom, my own dreams. And here's what I know is that we can do it. I know that God can raise that up within us because his spirit is just that good. But will we wake up and see that our time and our talents are not our own, that he gave them to us and trusted them to us for us to leverage them for the goodness of his kingdom and for his glory? When we do, we will see his light go to dark places like we've never seen before. Uh, Last night, we had a a, a small men's event over in the kids' auditorium where we ate barbecue and threw a bunch of cornhole bags at each other or at the boards. You take your pick. Um, We we collected money by donation for Boone County Mentoring, and we had $185 given, and, and more money was being given this morning. Boone County Mentoring needs mentors and you know what, there are enough followers of Jesus in our community, I'm not saying it's for everybody, that there shouldn't be a single mentee waiting on Boone County Mentoring's list for someone to invest in them. There's so many of us who love and follow Jesus. There shouldn't be a single ministry in this church that doesn't have enough volunteers if we will take seriously that God wants to use us. There shouldn't be a single sports team in this county that doesn't have a coach that loves Jesus if we took seriously what God has called us to. We can do it, but he calls us to leverage our lives for him, our time, and our talents for him. Uh, Over the next several weeks, um, many people are gonna be buying gifts. And you have probably had the experience, I know I have, where I've bought a gift for someone and they never unwrapped it, or uh, they unwrapped it and they never used it. Let's not be a people who doesn't unwrap the gifts that God has given us. Let's use them. Let's put them to work for his kingdom. Let's see the way he transforms our world. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for calling us to something greater. I thank you for calling us into your mission. I thank you for calling us into your purpose. And God, I just ask that you would help us to see the power and the beauty, the urgency of your mission. And You would call us to reframe and God, reevaluate how we spend our time and how we apply the gifts that you've given to us. Uh, to be used for your mission. God, if we don't know what our gifts are, God, give us the, pers- the desire to pursue, um, discovering that and identifying them and putting them to use. God, you are faithful, you are good. Help us to leverage our time and our talents for you. And it's in your name we pray, amen.